Welcome to the Foresight Health Roundup podcast, Foresight Health's podcast series for healthcare revolutionaries. Outcomes matter, customers count, and value rules. Hello again, everyone. This is Dave Berta, news editor at Foresight Health. It is Thursday, May 11th. We got our flowers in. We got our vegetable garden in. Now all we need is sun and some water. That has absolutely nothing to do with our topic today, which is the debate over site-neutral payment policy from Medicare. To tell us whether this debate is more sizzle than steak and how it could affect markets and innovation if it does happen are Dave Johnson, founder and CEO of Foresight Health, and Julie Merchantson, partner at Transformation Capital. Hi, Dave. Hi, Julie. How are you guys doing this morning? Dave? I'm doing fantastic. This, between May 1st and May 10th in the expanded Johnson clan, we have five birthdays. And I got to tell you, that's a lot of tourists for any family to absorb. <laughs> Are the uh, gift cards changing hands? <laughs> well, it kind of depends. The younger ones seem to get the, the lion's share of the booty. <laughs> Julie, how are you? Oh, yeah. Don't get me started on that. How am I doing? I uh, Well, weather update, of course. Uh, it's becoming my thing. The weather in Seattle is beautiful. So we're all very excited here. <laughs> but I have to say, I'm seething a little bit from this paternalistic debate going on over, over the counter birth control pills. So if we want to talk about that some week, let's do that. Yeah, that that's a good one. It's not going away anytime soon. That's for sure. Thank you. Now, before we dig into site-neutral payment policy, let's talk about hospital facility fees, which are part of this debate. These are the fees that hospitals tack onto your medical bill if you had an outpatient visit with a doctor in a facility that's owned by a hospital. Dave, have you ever seen a facility fee pop up on your medical bill? Well, hell yeah. But before I get into that, maternal mortality is increasing in the U.S. and it's only happening in two other countries in the world. They're both in sub-Saharan Africa. Well, this birth control thing is ridiculous. There are over 100 countries in the world that offer over-the-counter birth control. But anyway, back to site neutrality. I had a hilarious conversation with my dermatologist a few years ago after Northwestern had bought her practice. She said that all her patients were complaining that their bills had increased even though it was the same visit with the same doctor, same you know procedures, and she didn't know what to tell them. So I said, well, <laughs> there are three potential explanations for why the bills are going up, and the answer is probably a combination of all three. One, Northwestern probably paid too high a price for your practice, and they're having to recoup their investment. Secondly, Northwestern is hitting your patients with a hefty hospital-based facility fee, and third, they're doing it because they can. My dermatologist literally put her hands over her ears and said she didn't want to hear any of this hospital business stuff. She only wanted to treat patients. Oh, what a tangled web they weave when hospitals bill to deceive. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that one. Julie, how about you? Have you or a family member ever been hit with a uh, facility fee? Well, in looking at EOBs in the past or getting bills, I remember thinking to myself, why am I getting a physician bill for labor and delivery? So I have been hit with this confusion about bills for procedures at hospital sites, but you know, it's not much more than that. 
Yeah, well, I've never gotten one, but my mom did recently after a visit to her hospital-based cardiologist. I went over to her house to explain it. She had a lot of questions, and I told her she had to pay whatever part wasn't covered by Medicare anyway. And her exact words were, well, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) And I guess that is the feeling at the heart of this debate over site-neutral payment policy. As you know, right now, Medicare pays more for medical services if they're performed in a hospital or in a hospital facility than it does for the same service performed in a physician's office or a facility owned by the doctor. As Congress debates ways to curb Medicare spending so the program doesn't go bankrupt, one of the items on the table is what's called a site-neutral payment policy. You know, simply put, Medicare would pay the same rate for the same service regardless of where it's done. That change alone would save Medicare billions of dollars a year, but the money would come out of the pockets of hospitals, hence the controversy. And we like controversy here at the Roundup. It's one of our favorite things. Uh, Dave, do you support a site-neutral payment policy? If it happens, how would it affect healthcare markets? And if I'm a Medicare patient like my mom, do I win or lose? Well, three guesses, Dave, and the first two don't count. Do you think I'm in favor of site-neutral payments? Yes, I'm sure you do, Dave. Not only yes, but hell yes. (laughs) You know, I understand when I go to the ballpark that I'm going to pay more for a hot dog than if I get it in the grocery store and cook it myself. But at least that choice is mine. But the same procedure with the same physician in the same office suddenly costing more because it's owned by a hospital, that's ridiculous. And so, you know, organically, I'm in favor of anything that pushes the marketplace to provide less health care and more health. So this is definitely in the less health care bucket. So if suddenly hospitals are only getting paid the same amount, whether they do it in the hospital or in a physician's office, maybe they'll do more in physician offices and clinics because it's actually cheaper to do it and it's a better experience for customers. Huh, wouldn't that be something? As you said, this is a big money saver for Medicare, as much as $140 billion over 10 years. So tens of billions a year. And this is, you know, shoot out at the okay corral. You've got payers and self-insured employers lining up on one side of this saying they want it and hospitals doing everything they can do to resist the flood that's coming in their direction. You know, I, I ran into Advocates head of governmental affairs a couple of weeks ago, and she had just come back from some meetings in D.C., and uh, she thought this thing was as as good as done, that site-neutral payment is coming. It feels like maybe it's uh, not quite as likely as that, but it just makes all the sense in the world. And I understand that hospitals are taking it on the chin right now, and this is another blow that's going to hurt bottom line performance. But before we bring out the life support kit for hospitals, let me remind you of a few come on kind of things about hospitals. First of all, 52% of activity that occurs in hospitals isn't necessary. 25% is waste. So just think about that for a second. Over half of what happens in hospitals shouldn't be happening there. So there's a huge amount of room for improvement. Most hospitals are ghost towns after 4 p.m. Monday to Thursday afternoon on Friday and over the weekends. 
despite the fact it costs billions and billions of dollars to build these facilities, no other industry that's this capital intensive uses its assets on such a limited basis. So guess what, hospitals? One thing you can do to, to fix this is run a little bit harder. Yeah, you gotta get the people. Yeah, you gotta figure it out. Yeah, you gotta get partners, but figure it out. And then finally, you know, this differential based pricing for the same service is all part of the revenue cycle play that hospitals have been perfecting for the last, you know, 15 to 20 years. The size of the revenue cycle industry is 40% larger today than the automobile industry. And it's growing at 10% a year where uh, automobile is growing at 2% a year. So in today's America, it's far more lucrative to process and pay medical claims than it is to build, sell, and service every car and truck in the country. That's just ridiculous. So site neutrality is one way that the people are taking back control of healthcare expenses, you know, power to the people. In terms of how the markets will respond to this, I have to believe this should benefit companies that offer tangible value, better care at lower costs with greater customer service. That's all good. This is all pushing this massive system in the right direction. Customers will love site neutrality, customers like your mom, Dave, because it will save them money. No more surprise facility fees. So do I like site neutrality? Hell yes. Can it come soon enough? Hell no. Right on, Brother Dave. Great response. Julie, any questions for Dave? <laughs> well, I'm not going to ask you whether you think Medicare should do this. So how about let's imagine Medicare really goes a lot further than they did you know, last time they lifted this. How could it ease the blow to actually really help rural and critical access hospitals and others who are really heavily impacted you know, absorb what this means? Obviously, particularly in, in low-income rural and urban communities, we've got hospitals that are closing. They just can't figure out how to make it work. Their beds aren't full. Their quality ratings aren't that high. They're not really providing the services their constituents need. So we need to figure out, particularly in those communities, how to construct and operate community health networks that actually serve the needs of the consumers in that marketplace. And there is a program within CMS that if a, if a rural hospital closes, they, they get a little more money for community health. I, I think they need to take that type of thinking and put it on steroids. We need more health, less health care in the country. Let's work toward that goal and make it easier for those communities to make that type of transition. You got it, Dave. Thanks. Now, Julia, let me ask you, do you support a site-neutral payment policy? If it happens, how would it affect market innovation and investment? And how would that, in turn, affect healthcare consumers? Well, considering this is not a new discussion, as Dave pointed out, you know, we're at it again. And, of course, the blues are pushing hard this time, given especially the increasing pricing pressure coming from hospitals post-COVID and I mean, obviously for a long time. You know, technology is enabling us to do more and more outside hospitals. And I'm not just talking about interventional technology, but also communications technology, care coordination focus, a lot of these things that Dave, you just even talked about. Mm -hmm. And innovative businesses are finding ways to deliver these services at lower prices, but 
You didn't talk too much about this, Dave, only in certain geographies and in many cases, really only in specific patient populations that really are designed mostly around reimbursement rates, right? So this issue is more complex as it relates to who is really impacted and how to deal with those consumers and patients. Although the government and health plans were hoping that price transparency would allow the market to self-correct, you know, as it does in most other industries where consumers pay for their services. This thing called price transparency that Dave and I love to talk about is not working, or at least not fast enough. So, I mean, really, I mean, what you'd want the market to do, right, is choose lower cost providers. And this is what Medicare is trying to force by, you know, forcing prices down to market rates. So for innovation, it's it's honestly a bit of a double-edged sword, right? On one hand, you'd think like, okay, there are so many innovators that are enabling this trend, whether they're new service models or technology players, you know, alternate sites of care through procedural intervention or, again, better communication tools, virtual or hybrid care delivery, et cetera. Like innovation is driving the price of services down in so many areas. Not all, as I talked about, but so many. But here's the downside. Some innovative businesses would get killed alongside hospitals. And that's because they've hitched their wagon to hospital-based pricing through either joint ventures or other rev share relationships that, you know, have they've now designed their business models around relying on charging for services according to that hospital's payer contracts. And some well-known primary care practices, like the one recently transacted to Amazon, built its entire business on this model. There's another, you know, increasingly well-known women's health company that's following the same exact recipe. And unfortunately, there are several more what I'll call virtual or hybrid care companies. You know, those who are really designing care models that are tech-enabled, that are uh, working closely with hospitals that are doing the same thing, which when you think about it, it's crazy. Like the margin for a virtual care company that's billing hospital rates, like, wow, that's a business. So <laughs> you know, investors who back these businesses whose margins are built on hospital-based pricing could have a seriously rude awakening. And for consumers, honestly, for some of these lower level services, like they talked about chemotherapy or routine screenings, there's, Nothing but consumer upside as long as there's good information coordination because the advantage for consumers of doing everything at one health system is, I mean, truly being able to just streamline information on them as a patient and kind of optimize that kind of access for providers. But if you are a consumer who lives in an area where the hospital is the only game in town providing that service, chances are if this moves forward, they're going to lose out when that hospital cuts the service or it just goes out of business completely. So, you know, it, this is all a big double-edged sword. Mm, yeah, more than hospitals will be uh, quite upset about this. That That's great. Thanks, Julie. Dave, any questions for Julie? Specifically on site neutrality, is it enough? Is it the threat of it enough to get hospitals off the dime to seek partnerships with companies like those offering hospitals, home services, and several of the other services that you just described that can help them deliver better outcomes at lower costs. You know, what some of us call value. 
Or will hospitals energy still focus predominantly on getting paid as much as possible, irrespective of costs or outcomes for the services they provide? If it's the latter, which of Dante's nine circles of hell should we assign hospitals? Does it go all the way to number nine for <laughs> treachery? <laughs> That's <Dave>. great. <laughs> Is that a rhetorical question? <laughs> the last one was. Yeah, the first, the first one wasn't. <laughs> so, listen, if the government really pursues site neutral payments in a significant way, regardless of the timeline, you know, on which it's rolled out to certain types of hospitals or in certain geographies, it's a game changer. And those hospitals, I think, were, are always going to want to try to focus on how to get paid as much as possible. But when it no longer becomes a choice, you know, they're going to have a choice to make. What I would worry about in a lot of those situations is what's the capital? Where's the capacity to really be able to drive change in business model? You know, I, I do think somehow systems that are really seeing the writing on the wall are already developing services that are taking advantage of the payment structure today, but would be able to flip on a dime. It'll affect them, but they're not for profits, right, Dave? Like it's a it's a bit of a different impact than on a lot of these <laughs> for profit companies. So, you know, circles of hell, yeah. I mean it <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Thanks, Julie. You know, I think if a site neutral payment policy promotes competition, then I'm all for it. And when you compete, someone wins and someone loses. So I don't expect it to happen, at least not yet. But wait until this next big wave of baby boomers like me see and have to pay its share of facility fees. Uh, you know, seniors do not like parting with their money. Now let's briefly talk about other big healthcare news this week. Julie, what else happened this week that we should know about? May 11th is kind of the end of the emergency situation here after COVID or due to COVID. The DEA actually is now looking for more time to finalize its draft rules that were you know, proposing much stricter limits on what doctors need to do before prescribing certain drugs, controlled substances, Adderall opioid treatments, et cetera. And it's because those draft rules led to more than 35,000 public comments, which is a pretty major backlash among patients and behavioral health experts, frankly, who talked about the disruption to you know certain segments of the population, control that can be had with certain disease states since these rules have been relaxed. So I think we're starting to see this really interesting clash between kind of societal understanding of equality and how certain federal regulations around our paternalistic, you know, site-specific regulations conflict with that. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. When you unregulate something that's been regulated, it's hard to re-regulate it. Did I say that right? I think that so. That is right. I think All you right. did. Good job, Berta. Or I'll stop there. Dave, what other healthcare news is worth noting? I'm with Julie. Uh, May 11th, the end of the public health emergencies. That's going to bring a whole wave of changes. Medicaid redetermination. No more extra payments for COVID. And the industry is going to reel for, from it for a while. I know they've been getting ready for this moment, but you know it's actually one more blow to hospitals like they haven't taken enough body blows recently. But um, 
less less money out the door to coming to them to solve the problems they're trying to confront. Thanks, Dave, and thanks, Julie. That is all the time we have for today. If you'd like to learn more about the topics we discussed on today's show, please visit our website at foresighthealth.com. And don't forget to tell a friend about the Foresight Health Roundup podcast. Subscribe now and don't miss another segment of the best 20 minutes in healthcare. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Berta for Foresight Health.